Podcasts from the Cat. You're listening to Business Brunch, and on today's show we're talking to a very special volunteer. Someone who gives up large chunks of his time so that people of all ages can play football. A past chairman and now director of football at Nantwich Town Football Club, today in the hot seat we're pleased to welcome Clive Jackson. Clive, welcome to Business Brunch. Thanks, Des, and uh, looking forward to the next half hour. Brilliant. Uh, Clive, you've been a reserve team um, and first team manager, chairman, vice chairman, and you're now director of football. Tell us about your love of the game and uh, how you became involved in the Dabbers. Yeah, well, um, really, I'm, I'm a crew lad, and, uh, and I was born and bred in the number 12 Gresty Road crew, so no surprise, really, of, uh, of a love and uh, involvement in football. I was a ball boy at the Alex at a very early age and uh, was an associate schoolboy with them and played youth team and reserve team football. Uh, but I wasn't good enough to make it and um, and decided that uh, I would play as high a standard as I could uh, locally but try and get involved in coaching and managing. Did a bit in the Sunday uh, uh, league with uh, the P-Way there and then uh, got a chance on Saturday football, which at Chalport, who's uh, a club I also follow very closely, gave me a chance to uh, to manage on a Saturday in the Mid-Cheshire League. And then um, Nantwich Town at the time only had one first team playing at the uh, very picturesque Jackson Avenue. And I was approached by Joe and Irene Davis, who were um, volunteers at the club, secretary and, uh, and committee members. And they asked me if I'd uh, form a reserve team that was uh, a few more local lads in it, um, which is um, exactly what, what I did. And, um, and we did very well. Uh, got a lot of young lads in it, local lads, Lyndon All. A.D. Brown, Dougie Dawson, uh, good good players technically that have been released from crew, uh, like myself, weren't good enough to make it in the uh, in, in, in the programme at all. And um, and we put a nice little run together, but unfortunately at that time the first team weren't doing so great and come Christmas time, I think they were either bottom or second from bottom and as a football manager you know that if you're in that position at Christmas um, the next step is pretty inevitable, which was, um, which was the sack for Peter Ward. Um, who was a, uh, a friend of mine and still is Peter that's assistant at league now and um, and myself and John Bryden who were running the reserve team got uh, given the job by the, uh, the the club on a caretaker basis and um, it was sort of um, put up or shut up time we've been saying how good the, uh, the the kids we got in the reserve team were doing and uh, and we felt they should have been given the chance uh, before Christmas and uh, and now we had to give them a chance and uh, we did exactly that. Some uh, some some players on the, amongst those that have become legends at the club, like John Scarlett, club's Roscoe uh, Gora, Dawson, um, Hall, Brown, lots of them. But they came into the team and did great and so well that uh, John and I got the job um, with Peter Hall. And um, in that first season, we managed to respectfully finish about halfway up the table and uh, and get to the final of the uh, the League Cup at uh, Gig Lane Berry season we followed that up by um, by winning that cup so uh, a great start really you've clearly gone through uh, and covered most aspects of the game in in scouting for players and bringing them together uh, creating a team obviously you've got to get that team spirit if you want to if you want the thing to gel did it all come natural to you that well, without blowing my own trumpet, I would um, I would view myself as a, a, a natural leader. I was always a captain of the teams that that, that, that I played in, 
Um, I'm quite a single-minded and, and determined uh, person, and sometimes um, that that can get mixed up uh, by coming over um, as um, as arrogant. I think if you spoke to some people, they would hopefully a very small percentage would say um, we don't like him, um, but hopefully sort of 98% of people would say yeah, he's a great lad, very enthusiastic. But um, I, I, I do have a, a goal, and I do uh, I do like to uh, people to buy into a philosophy, and I very much have always taken the uh, philosophy of um, to explaining and being open, clear, and honest with everybody about what you're doing, what your aspirations are. Um, telling them if you want, if you're giving the bus analogy, tell them what uh, the destination of this bus is, and um, and those who want to uh, to be on it buy into the ethos, and and those who don't, I suggest you get off at the next stop because that's where this bus is going. Sounds good to me, <laughs> Clive. Um, Nantwich Town Football Club now has 41 teams covering a variety of different categories. Talk us through the different teams and and how they've developed over the years. Um, well, it's quite interesting that is because it, it, it actually takes you to to the fundamentals of this football club. Um, after that first couple of seasons, where the first team was very successful, and um, we kept on losing players to to places that could pay a few more quid, and I'm literally talking a few more quid. And um, and we decided it was time to to get a, a structure coming through the club where there was always um, local young players to replace those that were moving on, and we would become a, a development club if you want. And um, but we only had the the one pitch there at Nantwich Town um, on the Jackson Avenue, which made it very hard to grow it um, in any substantial manner. We were one of the founding uh, clubs that took on uh, mini soccer. Mini soccer was uh, brought out about 20 years ago by the FA, um, now massive. And uh, in the first instance, it used to basically take each corner of the. If everybody knows football pitches, and certainly in them days, the middle used to end up like a mud bath. And mini soccer was about kids under um, nine playing in the corner of the pitches with on four smaller pitches in the corners which normally had lots of grass on so we started growing the uh, the offering if you want with the with the mini soccer teams and and obviously that grew very quickly and uh, with involvement of uh, people like martin stubbs and bill prendergast at the time and janet stubbs and um, it, it, it really it really grew and it became pretty clear pretty early on that um, we were going to outgrow the facility at, uh, at Jackson Avenue both in terms of providing facilities for the amount of teams that we had um, but also to realise the club's ambitions of playing um, as high as we uh, as we possibly can which no doubt we'll go and talk on in, in, in a short while and we were lucky enough to put a, uh, a lottery grant application in. We got a million pounds lottery grant to come to this uh, stadium and facilities where we are now. And again, luckily, we, we raised enough off the sale of Jackson Avenue to be able to build the facility you all see and use now at uh, the Weaver Stadium, where we have a full-size 3G, the main pitch, function suites and uh, conferencing facilities. Um, with, with, without being in any debt as well, so uh, so that was great, and uh, and from there the club has uh, grown and grown and grown, and obviously we need to be diverse in our offering and make ourselves open to the whole community. Um, hence, um, we, we have what I call a machine, and the machine starts um, on a Saturday morning with the community session, which is an open session that people can book onto, and um, for children between the ages of under threes to under 11s and uh, people come up as an open session to that it's an hour long session 9.30 till 10.30 the younger kids only do it till 
and from that from that we build our teams and and just and, taking uh, you back a couple of steps when you f- were first developing um the interest locally in for youngsters was the the vision at board level then to to develop all these teams and all the different categories of football that you play yeah re- really really speaking um it, you know we, we were a committee then not a board but your question is quite right and where, where i was extremely lucky as an individual and, and probably the club has benefited from it is um i was i, I was supported totally 100 percent by the board to uh the committee to to climb just grow grow the club yeah make it part of the community make the club a, a, a community club yeah, keep us up to date with what you're doing, but just go out there and do it. Yeah, um, and and they bought into to everything that I got, and I never let them down. And that trust with those people who some of whom have passed away by now, but that trust is still there now today. You know, they we they know we'll take the club in a direction which is uh, which is good for the club. But to answer your question, everybody bought into it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's terrific, and clearly um, the strategy you developed has worked. Yeah, I mean we've got a great facility. Questionably, um, one of, certainly one of the best facilities in the country in non-league. Um, and like everybody in football at the moment, with what's going on, we uh, we 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 all struggle. We've only just managed to get the facility back open on uh, July the first for the kids, and we're still not allowed the uh, spectators in for our first team games. Um, but but we're up and running, and, uh, and and the show must go on, as they say. Today we're talking to Clive Jackson, the director of football for Nantwich Town Football Club. Clive, as director of football, you now have overall responsibility for the club's 41 teams. So give us an insight into some of the challenges that the job delivers. Some, some of it is being victims of our own success. So we spoke earlier about um, the Saturday morning community sessions and there's nothing more heartbreaking um, than having somebody that's uh, been coming along to the Saturday morning community session um, little Johnny, as an, as an example, not a real person, obviously, who who might not be the best footballer um, in the world, but wants to play football in a team and start playing competitively in mini soccer. Um, but but we haven't got enough players to form that third or fourth team in that particular age group, and that that's really um, disturbing for us. And we try our best to make sure that we can get um, every player that comes to the club a game um, in a team. Um, regardless of their ability, uh, so so we're, we're not elitist, but we're a club that has elite teams. If that makes uh, if that makes sense, uh, and we have to do that because we're a semi-professional football club, and our objective is to get these uh, young footballers, male and female, and uh, to be able to play at the highest level they possibly can. Um, sometimes that's Nantwich Town. Uh, frequently. Um, that's that they move on from Nantwich Town, and you know several have moved to the Alex again. Local lads like um, uh, Calvin Meller have, have moved on and, and gone involved in the in the, in the pro game. Um, the next one, again, victim of our own success, really, is is about um, playing time on our on our three G surface. You know, we're really virtually at full capacity now, and um, and really would like to to consider getting some uh, some extra playing. Um, facilities available that we, we we can't do right now, but it's really hard when you have to turn turn a team that wants to join you um, a, a, away. And uh, we're lucky we've got Lyndon Wayne, who's our football development manager. He's a full-time employee, and 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 helping Lyndon and assisting Lyndon as much as we can to uh, to make it make it all work. As you can imagine, um, 41 teams to fit on a training schedule 
five nights a, a week and for everyone to take their turn with everything else that's going on around first team and our reserve team um, is sometimes somewhat difficult and challenging, but a challenge that we enjoy. It, it must be a logistical nightmare for somebody, that. Yeah, well, luckily that somebody isn't me, um, but <laughs> I, I need to support Lyndon um, and, and the team here in uh, in delivering that and uh, and then the other things back of house around the maintenance that surrounds the brushing of the 3G or the maintenance of the pitch. We've got a, a volume of uh, volunteers here um, that carry all that out. You know, I'm at the club right now as we speak and there's people uh, preparing for the uh, the crew game that by the time this interview goes out will have actually taken place. But, you know, they have to do that again um, for, for a game that's taking place tonight against uh, Winsford United and again for a game that's taking place here against Marine on Saturday. And you know, some of these people are volunteers that work full-time hours. So the club has two terrific sponsors in uh, Whitby Morrison and Optimum Pay Group. Share with us the importance of uh, commercial sponsorship in sport and, and the difficulties involved in negotiating these deals. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I, I don't um, personally get involved in the in the commercial side uh, uh, of the club other than, uh, than supporting um, what uh, John Gold, Dave Clapp and uh, Tim Crichton, who are the directors responsible for that, um, that do. To answer your question probably uh, three or fourfold, um, uh, firstly, our, our, our two our flagship sponsors are, are Whitby Morrison, Optimum Pay and Kinderton. Whitby um, Morrison sponsor the ice cream van stand and uh, Stuart and Ed and the family are uh, staff, are long-standing uh, personal friends of mine, supported the club and, and support it in many other ways that, that the public don't see and uh, we, we're really uh, really delighted with, with what they do for us um, Optimum Pay uh, came on board last year. Carl and his team moved into the area. Um, they they concentrate on payroll for um, small, medium, and large enterprises, and uh, contractors wanting an umbrella system as well. And uh, and they've been absolutely fantastic to us um, too. And of course, um, our shirt sponsors, Kindertons, have uh, have taken over from where County Insurance left off, and uh, and and a great uh, a great commitment to everything that we do and um, and these people and uh, have carried on their uh, support of us even in these adverse times that are out there for every company um, where trading is difficult um, but they've all come up trumps and uh, and supported us and we're grateful not only for those three flagship um, sponsors but also for all the many other businesses that support us, which are far too many to mention, and if I tried to mention them all, I'd, I'd forget one, and that one would feel offended. We're extremely grateful for everything that um, our, all our community uh, stakeholder partnerships do, and I think a big reason why they do it is because they know that this club is a community club, and it tries to uh, to look after everybody. We demonstrate that with our partially sighted disability teams, pan-disability teams, uh, girls, ladies, walking football, veteran football. Uh, you know, the youngest kid at the community session on Saturday was two and halfway through, fell asleep in his mum's arms. How uh, wonderful. So, you know, that sums up everything about us, I think. You're listening to a podcast from The Cat. You're listening to Business Brunch, and today we're talking to Clive Jackson from Nantwich Town Football Club. Uh, Clive, coronavirus has affected us all, uh, so tell us how the club has dealt with lockdown and and what's involved in keeping the club going as we slowly move towards a new normal? 
Yeah, hopefully. Um, we, we haven't heard that we uh, we lost anybody to this uh, this virus um, that um, that, we're, that we're aware of. Um, and my thoughts and the thoughts of everybody at the club go out to every, anybody out there and your listeners that uh, that has lost anybody to this um, terrible uh, virus and pandemic. Um, but we've had quite a few that have been uh, seriously ill, and they're always in our, in, in, in our thoughts. Um, but basically, we, we shut down um, as per the government guidance and brought all our fo- football activities to an end um, and uh, and put concrete blocks in front of the uh, of the car park. And, and yes, I'd answered a few questions around town of people who said, is the football club finished? And of course, the football club's been going uh, well over 100 years now into its... Uh, 1884 yeah so uh, and the football club will always be here in 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 some guise or another um but um we didn't expect to have to deal with with something like this because obviously the major problem with a business and the major problem for any business is when your income streams come to a complete and utter end immediately and but your expense streams only reduce um slightly um, then, then you've got a problem. Um, we've got a very supportive board of directors, of which I'm a member, who, um, who have uh, supported us through this um, personally. And, uh, and as I mentioned earlier, our sponsors and our advertisers and, uh, and the public in general, the, uh, the donations to our just giving uh, around about £13,000 now have been, uh, have been essential. And uh, a big thank you to the government as well. Um, we, we, we got, like most businesses did, a grant, and uh, and we got a, a rates holiday um, as well. So uh, we're, we're still here. I would be lying if I said it, it wasn't difficult because it, because it is because there's still gas bills to pay, there's still electricity bills to pay, and there's still the general overheads of of looking after the uh, the building to pay, um, and and the income trails for the foreseeable future um, are, are are pretty low. Um, we're, we're not going to get anybody through the gate by the looks of it, until at, at the earliest um, October from a, a paying spectator's point of view. The function suite, we, we, the only way it can open is uh, very, very restricted, and uh, our function suite is quite big. It holds 250 people, so um, the, it's a false economy, really, for, for us to open it when the maximum amount of people you can have in a group is, is 30, because it, it, it's a function event. Um, obviously, our, our, our kids are coming back and they're paying um, their subs, and um, our, our flagship sponsors have, uh, have all renewed. So many thanks to them because that's exactly what's keeping this club going forward, along with the Just Giving page that uh, we, we mentioned earlier. Well, it must be a nightmare juggling the finances and keeping that cash flow going, but you, you're clearly doing a good job in that as well. So, just moving on to the way you you develop the club profile commercially uh, the club's got a terrific website uh, and you've also got um, Nantwich Town Football Club TV on YouTube which I thought was uh, a really good use of YouTube however there are areas of technology that you could use to to lift the club's profile so uh, tell us about the YouTube channel uh, how that was developed and um, how you aim to keep pace with technological change Yep, I, I, I don't disagree with you. We, we're, we're getting there with technology, but we're, uh, we, we, we need to do a little bit more. I, I also agree that the uh, Nantwich Town TV is, is great. That's uh, been done by our media team um, over the years, which have just um, uh, strengthened uh, with Sam McGarrigal um, joining us. 
And uh, if there is anybody with media experience out there, and I know the radio station does exactly the same thing as well, but then you want to get involved with your your, your local uh, semi-professional football club, um, give us a shout, especially if that's uh, a, a somebody that's just come off a media uh, degree or a media course um, at one of the colleges, then uh, come and cut your teeth here because um, our last two press officers... Um, are actually working full-time in professional football, both at Wigan, uh, by mere coincidence. And so it's a good place to get some experience and uh, and, and cut your teeth on the doing um, the, the Nantwich TV or doing something in the programme or doing something on a blog or doing some interviews. Dan Wilkinson's just tied up with you guys, our, our radio man, so he'll be doing the uh, the commentating uh, for the club and uh, and the cat. And uh, and we we keep moving on, but um, but we're always looking for volunteers. And uh, I, I'm I'm a I'm a techno dinosaur. Um, the the website is uh, sorted out by another one of our directors, Tim Crichton, and, and uh, very kindly on a contra deal with um, Web Orchard, who put it together. So thanks for your compliments um, on that. But we're, we'll always be looking, especially really the link with COVID. Um, you know, technology, less personal interaction. Um, is now um, essential. Not that we want to avoid it, um, but um, I think everyone will be looking at ticketing systems, ticketing systems linked to everything else. We've just uh, started a new app for all our footballing activities called Class for Kids. So so we're basically ca- cashless now for any events of the training and the subscriptions and everything else, which is proving to be fantastic. And uh, have, have a look for us on Class class for kids and you can book straight onto your Saturday sessions or the training sessions or your subscriptions can all be done online. That's terrific and a really good use of automation. Today we're talking to Clive Jackson, the Director of Football at Nantwich Town Football Club. Uh, Clive, you're a volunteer and and I'm sure you fully understand the importance of volunteers from grassroots football uh, right through the tiers of our wonderful game. So share with us how you go about inspiring parents and others to give up their time and help the club. Um, well, I wouldn't say I inspire them. I'd say I probably uh, cajole and badger them uh, to uh, to come and get involved. It, it, it normally, if we're all honest, yeah, it, it normally starts through a boy or a girl that plays uh, football in a team. Um, we obviously, as a club, can't afford to employ 20 or 41 coaches. Um, and so, quite quite predominantly, the coach will come from um, from one of the players' mums or dads, and um, and, and we encourage them um, to uh, to get involved, and uh, and we will support them through that. Some come that are already uh, qualified coaches, and uh, and others come who um, want to get involved but want to become qualified. So we get sometimes get support off the FA, but we try and help everybody. Um, the, the coaches at the club um, to gain a level one FA coaching um, award. Um, they also, obviously, for safeguarding, have to be uh, DBS checked, uh, disclosure barring services, and uh, to make sure that we've got the right people at the at the club that are going to look after the safeguarding of our young boys and girls and any vulnerable uh, um, adults. And then, um, you know, we, we, we can't reward them in money, so we have to try and reward them in other ways. And whether that's a, a piece of kit that they can proudly wear that you can't buy anywhere and that clearly identifies that, you know, 
everybody knows you don't get one of those t-shirts or polo shirts unless you're a volunteer or a, a raincoat or, or or whatever and um you know we need to get a bit better at um at volunteers uh, attracting volunteers that's for definite um and uh, again any listeners out there doesn't matter what you you think you can and you can't do from from keeping the uh, the grass and the the areas around the stadium and the car park free of uh, weeds and clutter and and litter and you could only give us two hours a week we'll we'll, we'll gladly take that two hours a week off you um all the all the way up to um, somebody that might be a uh, a very highly qualified coach that's moved into the area and uh, and doesn't know we've even got a football team or if they know they've got a football team doesn't know where it is or thinks that it might be a clicky market town and they won't be able to get in you'll be welcomed here with open arms and uh, we'll find everybody and anybody um, that meets our requirements obviously back to the safeguarding something to do and have you got somebody coordinating these volunteers or is that yet to come no, um, the, the the volunteers from uh, from the football side are all coordinated through through Lyndon Wayne, who's our football development manager. And as I've said, he's he's full time, and um, and because he's full time, Lyndon's the person to approach, even if it's not about football. You know, if you're a a previous person that's uh, good at uh, looking looking after front lawns, come and come and talk to us. Speak to Lyndon in the first place, and he'll make sure he sends you in the direction of Pete Tennant. Bob Mellon and the lads on the ground that look after the rest of the facilities. So, moving on to the club's achievements, we can't let you go without telling us about some of them, including back-to-back promotions, uh, and in particular a special FA Cup record that is unlikely ever to be broken. Tell us a little bit about these. Yeah, um, where, do, where, where do we start? Um it, it was important in that ground move from from Jackson Avenue to the Weaver Stadium um, that that we made best use of the traction that we got at the time. Steve Davis um, was the uh, the manager, and uh, and the concentration was that um, on trying because to get to the new stadium took a few years longer than we expected due to some planning issues and stuff like that. But we felt it was essential that we started the new season um, in a new league and um, and to try and um, get get promoted. Um, but before that, in 2006, um, we we won the FA Trophy, and I might call it by its right word in a minute. So it was actually the FA Vars, yeah. Yeah. I'd love to win the FA Trophy as well. But this is a national competition, and um, what won't be well known to your listeners is it should have been the final should have been the first game at the new Wembley Stadium. Um, but as with many construction projects, it was running somewhat behind. So so Steve, um, the players, the club, the town, um, got robbed of what would have been even more historic, which would have been the very first competitive game at the new Wembley Stadium. Instead of that, we played at St Andrews, um, but we, we won the club. We won the club, the uh, cup and the town. We had a tremendous support uh, from the town um, on, on the day. Um, but um, but that run in the FA Vars um, curtailed a um, a promotion charge by us. Um, I think we had to play on the Monday, Wednesday, Saturday, and Tuesday immediately after winning the bars. And um, as you can imagine, I think some of the players on the uh, on the Tuesday game, in particular at Salford away, um, were only just getting over the uh, the effects of being in the lepers for a rather long time over the weekend after we won it. But we won it, and it's a national competition, and uh, we're all very proud of that. And um, and the following season, having just narrowly missed out on promotion, 
we got our promotion, which meant we would start the new uh, the new season in a new stadium and a new league. The following um, season, uh, in a playoff game here at the Weaver Stadium with uh, a fantastic crowd on, um, we we managed to beat Sheffield um, to get those two back back to back uh, promotions. And the following season, we narrowly lost out in the uh, the final um, at Ilkeston. Um, unfortunately, the goalkeeper has suffered a back spasm, so he was really playing uh, a half at half chat. He suffered a back spasm just before the game. Um, Jonah did, and um, and uh, we, we narrowly missed out on promotion. But on, uh, on, I think the thing you're you're really asking me is uh, is Andy Locke's um, hat trick um, in the FA Cup against um, and it just escapes me who it was against now. But sorry. was it Drylston? Yeah, sorry, it was Drylston. Yeah, yeah, it was Drylston. And um, yeah, Lockie scored the hat trick. School teacher at Malbank, real, real Royal the Rovers stuff. Um, if we, if we're honest, he wouldn't have normally been in the starting twelve. Uh, a starting eleven. There was a, a a player injured. He he came in, and uh, and grabbed his chance. Draws them were a lot higher than us at that time, particular time. That, and has luck had it. Peter Hallett, who was the uh, reporter for the Sentinel, was an absolute stickler um, for. Uh, for timing everything, and uh, and at the end of the game, he uh, he came to us and he said, um, I think Andy Locks just scored the uh, the quickest hat trick in uh, in football, um, but it was certainly the quickest hat trick in the FA Cup, and uh, and Andy will go down in folklore, and like you say, um, it will never be beaten. Um, what what happened on the on the Tuesday night is BBC and um, and Granada wanted to come and we were playing a game and Granada and BBC wanted to uh, to come and uh, and film and um, and if I'm absolutely honest, those and this and Andy and anyone that's listening might tell him yeah, and um, we, we played him in the game, but but he shouldn't have played because um, because it, it was back to the Saturday and. Um, and he wouldn't have played in that, but he grabbed his chance, and, and I don't rarely see Andy, but uh, when we do, we always uh, talk affectionately about that time, and he's got a piece of history and an entry in the Guinness records that, uh, as you said, I doubt anybody will uh, will ever take off him. Highly unlikely. Just give us the time, Clive. I think it was one minute fifty-seven seconds or something like that, but I could be I could be out on that. Take some doing. Absolutely. We 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 actually tried to recreate it artificially because when you think you've got it in there get the ball and bring it out and then get back and kick off twi- twice you know and we couldn't we couldn't do it in the timing i can't see it ever being broken look no, it, it's it's clearly it's a market town club with a huge big heart and uh, you're clearly getting the best from everybody involved so Long may it continue. Clive, before we finish, tell our listeners how they can find out more information about the football club. Um, go to our website, uh, nantwichtownfc.com, and uh, you'll find lots of uh, easily uh, navigatable uh, uh, stuff stuff on there. Um, pop in whenever you want. There's somebody about in the shop um, mo- most days. Support us via our Just Giving page, please. Okay, it doesn't matter whether it's um, one pound, ten pound, or a hundred pounds. Please, please, please support us. Um, John Gold, our, our new chairman, Tony's uh, left and gone to the Alex, is uh, trying to drive the uh, the club forward. We've got some other announcements that um, we will release via the cat, which are exciting. 
and uh, it'll be John because it's John that leads the uh, the club that'll be making those announcements over the uh, over the coming months, and we'll be giving you the community an opportunity to share even more in our football club. And the telephone number, if you've if you anybody listening that would like to volunteer for the club, yeah, it's uh, zero one two seven zero six two one seven seven one. Six two one seven seven one. Clive, thanks very much. It's been a real pleasure talking to you, and thanks for uh, coming into the cat today. Thank you very much. Anytime. Go to listen.thisisthecat.com for more podcasts and more ways to listen.